Well, good morning. I know you may be quite surprised. We're going to do something a bit different this morning. And uh, for those of you that are still outside, make your way in, please. We're going to come around the Word of God in a moment. This is going to be a slightly different morning. And I'll explain why as I preach, and you'll begin to understand as we go through it. But I want to welcome home everyone that's in the room and everyone that's joining us online, whether you're in the moment or watching later on in the week. It's great to have my mum and dad who have been for the last year online and now they're in the room. So I want to welcome them. Good to have them with us. Just before we, we get into, I guess, the, what I want to talk about, got a few conversations that we've been having, a few things that we want to bring our attention to. And uh, obviously, we've already begun the conversation around how we work better and how we embrace better people from the LGBTQ community. We're going to be looking at, over a period of time, those from First Nations and the Métis. And uh, we've got, I'm really excited because we've got Howard and Karen Jolly, who are the, the, the directors of the Alliance First Nations Churches. And they're going to be with us in November as well. And uh, that's going to be part of what we're doing and, and engaging with that conversation. How can we do better? for First Nations people around this area. And then also, we're looking at missions. We engage with the Alliance particularly. That's our strongest link for global, international workers. And, uh, and to that end, the Alliance churches in Saskatoon, we're going to have a missions weekend. And we as a church, along with some of the others, are going to do a few weeks focused on missions. Uh, but our missions weekend, where we're linking a bit more with the Alliance churches in Saskatoon, that's going to be the 23rd of October. And we're going to do a few things. There's some stuff happening for the youth on the Friday night and then uh, Saturday and Sunday as well. And we'll get a few more details. But it looks like that we're going to have Bear and his wife. I can't remember his second name. Yabra. Is that right? Anyone remind me of that? Yep, that's good. Thank you. Going to have Bear preaching with us on the 23rd. So, and that, that's going to help us link into what we call Seamless Link, the, the procedure for linking in with international work, uh, Alliance International Workers. And we're engaging with that. So that's just, I guess, a, a bit of a heads up on what's happening there. Today, I'm going to be talking about the, pl the place that praise and worship plays in our strength. We're continuing this series on strength, and it's really, it's really a simple message. And I'll unpack that, but what I want to do is speak the message and then put into practice what the message is. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for uh, this church. I love my church. I thank you that you've placed each and every one of us in this place of community, whether, we're, whether we haven't even started our journey with you or whether we've been on the journey a long way. I pray that each of us will have our hearts and minds open to what you want to say 
But not just open our minds, but God, I pray that we will begin to put into practice what your word says. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? So we are in a series called, simply called Strength. And next week, my dad is going to be preaching on that same theme. We've had, we've looked at children are a sign of strength. And with children comes mess and changes. We looked last week, or Dee preached last week, on in our weakness, we find God's strength. But obviously, as a pastor, you'll probably realize that pastors, nothing gets to us. We're never unhappy. We never have those moments of we just feel down. We never feel down. When people have a go at me, it's just water off a duck's back. No problems. Doesn't affect me whatsoever. I am always spiritually on top of the world. And in my life, it literally is that song. I am on the top of the world looking down on creation and the only explanation I can find. That's my life. When in reality, it's much more like everybody cries. Dum, 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 dum. Everybody hurts sometime. That's more reality. And maybe for you, you've got a situation at work or you just really want to stay in bed, pull the covers over your head and stay there till it all, actually stay there till winter finishes. Notice we have a bit more summer coming, so don't go to bed yet. Maybe the kid's noise level has just gone above a meteor crashing to the earth and you want to close the door of their room, let them fight it out till only one remains, and that will be the one that you love for the rest of their life. Maybe you're sick of fighting to get out of debt. Maybe it's the relationship issue between you and your spice, and you just don't know how to get past it. See, most of us have struggled on until there's no more strength. So what do we do? Where do we turn? David who some of you will know was the king. And he fought battles. He overcame enemies. He was the man that killed Goliath. How incredible is that? What a victory. But I'm sure that most of us could echo not just his words of victory, but his words where he says this, my heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. I don't know if you've ever looked and thought about phrases that have become so entrenched in our Christian language that we actually think they come from the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Pride comes before a fall. God helps, them, God helps those that help themselves. The three wise men 
God moves in mysterious ways. Do you know, none are actually Bible phrases. It's not to say that they, they aren't good. They're just not Bible phrases. It doesn't say there were three wise men. It just says wise men with three gifts. Today, I want to look at another well-known phrase, which actually is a biblical phrase. But I don't know that we explore it and think about the context of it. And if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard it. You may have even sung a song that had this phrase in it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Anyone heard that, that phrase before? A lot of people have. Have you thought, what the heck does that mean? How, How does that work? What's the joy of the Lord? And how does it become my strength? It sounds great. It sounds great till you're miserable. Or you've had one of those days where you just want to let the kids fight it out till death. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then someone quotes it at you. You are having your worst day ever. And you walk into church. And you look a bit down and someone says, cheer up. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's a a quote, a biblical quote that you could say back. Smash their teeth in their mouths, O God. Psalm 58, verse 7. There you go. Take your quote and stick it where the sun doesn't shine. That's England, by the way. See, but if it's there, there's got to be truth in it. If it's there and... As a promise, it's written, then we've got to understand, what does that mean to me? It's not just, hey, yes, I'm in church. Everything's fantastic. Awesome. There's got to be more to that. And here's a truth that I want us to think about. Joy is not circumstantial. Happiness is. We had the privilege, Dee and I had the privilege last night of going to a gala at TCU Place. And uh, we watched, um, what were they called? Creeland, the Creeland Dancers. The, yeah, so it's like line dancing and uh, what, would we call, what would we call it in England? No, no, like a Kaylee. Anyone know what a Kaylee is? No, great. Well, no use saying that then. It was a bit of line dancing and they were fantastic and they were getting faster and faster and they were doing this, and, you know, like river dance. <sighs> Getting out of breath, just doing it. But it was like, whoa, we were in the moment. We were clapping. Do you know what clapping is? Yeah. It's not something you do after a song. It's something you do during a song, just to let you know. Anyway, we were clapping, and you got to the end of it. And it was like, yeah, that was awesome. We were happy. But it wasn't joy. Joy comes from something different. Joy is a choice I make. Now, in all of this, I know that there are people in this room that have experienced deep and maybe are experiencing deep grief. I understand that. 
We've been there. And we grieve with you. And I don't want to take away from your experience of grief, but there is something, as they say in Narnia, there is a deeper magic. There is something deeper, and it doesn't take away the feelings of grief. It doesn't take away the pain of grief, but there is something that is deeper, and that is the joy of the Lord. See, even though joy is not circumstantial, there are things that we can do to pursue joy. And one of the greatest ways of doing this is worshiping and praising God in song. But we have to choose it. We have to pursue it. Many of us come into environments like this and, and we find it difficult to worship. Maybe the music's too loud, the light's in your, your eyes, whatever it is. Maybe Darcy's playing out of key yet again and I'm, you know, John's going to deal with that tomorrow. But you know what? Worship is not about this environment here. Worship is about this environment here. And we choose to worship. Even in my darkest hour, we choose to worship. I remember, I remember years ago, I had a really good friend, have a really good friend, Charlie. Incredible young guy, incredible business guy now. And he was at, at the time, he was at university. And, and we, were in a, we were in a worship service, Sunday night. And, and I was standing at the front worshiping, and Charlie came up to me with tears in his eyes, and he said, I don't know what to do, but I've just had a call from the police. During the worship service, this was. He said, my dad's helicopter has gone down, and they don't know what's happened to him. I said, what do you want to do, Charlie? Because I'll, I'll go with you. I'll get someone to take over the service. What do you want to do in this moment? He said, I don't know what to do, but the only thing I can do is choose to worship. And he stood there in his darkest hour, and he put his hands in the air, and chose to sing, but bigger than that, he chose to worship. And it did transpire that his dad had died in the crash, and we grieved together and did the funeral together and all sorts of stuff. But in that moment, in that darkest hour, he chose to worship. Because it was a choice, he chose to pursue it. The joy of the Lord is in the Bible, but myself, I've so misunderstood it for such a long time. Nehemiah 8, verses 9 to 10 is where we find it. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is our strength. I don't know if you've been like me where you think that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, that's what God gives me. As Dee talked about last week, we want a download of strength. We want a download of joy, a matrix download. Just plug ourselves in, and away we go. It doesn't work like that. Is it just something that God gives me? If it is, then why doesn't he give it to me more often? 
See, I think as Christians, we feel that unless joy is spontaneous and overflowing, it's hype or fake. I, I don't do all that happy, clappy stuff. You, you, people, you people at Circle, you're just way too positive. You're way too joyous, and I don't want to do all of that. No, no. It's not fake. It's not hype. We choose Sometimes in our darkest hour, sometimes when it's easy, we choose to worship, we choose to praise, we choose to put God above our circumstances. But the context of this verse in Nehemiah brings, brings meaning to it. You see, the Jews, or a group of Jews, had been taken into exile in Babylon. And they, they find out, Nehemiah particularly finds out that his city is broken down. The walls have been smashed. Everything is in ruins. And he goes back, gets permission to go back to this land, and probably a land he'd never been to. But it breaks his heart to realize that his home city, his ancestral city is broken. And he gets to go back and some Jews go with him. And, and as he comes back, they begin to build the city and build up the walls to, to waist height and then a bit higher. And as they do that, more and more of the Jews begin to return from the countryside and come to the city. But one of the things that exile had done to them, it had stopped them worshiping. It had stopped them being in that temple community. You know, we, we could call it church community nowadays. And they'd lost their connection with the Torah, the law. That's what they had, this handed down law from God. And as they begin to celebrate and, and, and take time to look at the walls, the people come together and Ezra, Ezra the priest begins to read from the Torah. And they come together essentially for just this big church service. And Ezra stands up and he begins to read from the Torah that they had found. And as he reads, the people begin to weep. And they begin to weep because they realize we have gone so far from God that there is this deep conviction of their sin. And sin is everything that's not lined up with God. It's not those big things that we throw around. It's everything that doesn't line up with God. And they realize we have walked away and, and our ignorance is no excuse. See, they, they realize as they begin to measure their lives against the standard of God's law, they realize, as it says in the New Testament, we have all fallen short. And they, conviction comes on them. And they begin to weep and they begin to wail. But here's what happens. Ezra says, stop. At this out, national outpouring of grief, and repentance, Ezra says, stop. People were heartbroken because of their sin, but God, through, then through Nehemiah, tells them to stop grieving, stop feeling sad. Go enjoy this day. 
Go enjoy this day because this day is a day given over to God. Have fun. Do you know it's okay to have fun on Sunday? Yes, Ben has no fun in church whatsoever. Now his mother-in-law sat next to him. I watched her bopping this morning. She's enjoying church. Ben's like this. I play golf. Now golf is not fun, so I don't know why I brought that analogy in from last Sunday. But actually God says, stop weeping, stop wailing. Go have some fun. Enjoy my day. Enjoy yourself and enjoy God. Stop grieving and start praising. Exodus 15 gives us why God says this. Exodus 15 verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. You see, yes, rightly so, people were focused on their own sin, but God says, I need you to take your focus off yourselves and I want you to understand this is a day for me, for God. Take your focus off yourselves, enjoy the day, but give me this day. Joy and praise go together. Strength and praise go together. See this, this verse here, he is my God and I will praise him if my feelings lead me in that direction. No, it doesn't say that. I will praise him. That word will there is authoritative which means that there is an alternative to not do that. We have a choice to praise God, to worship Him. I will. I declare that I will. I have a choice in this matter, and I'm going to choose to praise God. Praise is also, it's not just a choice, it's a discipline. You see, it, it takes my eyes off myself, and it puts my world into perspective. Why? Because as we praise God, our attention, and, and just... I've said this plenty of times before, but when we pray, we don't, have to, we don't have to ask for God's presence. Whether we're in a small group or in church, we don't need to ask for God's presence. Why? Because his promise is that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle of, him, of them. So we don't have to ask for God's presence. What we do need to think about is, God, how can I become more aware of your presence? How can I know that even when you're already there, which is in my head and in your word, how can I become more aware of your presence? That's what we need. Not ask God to come in, but ask God to make himself felt. The felt presence of God in our community. And as we focus on God, as we take our eyes off ourselves and even off our sin... And there is a time for repentance. There is a time for saying, God, I have done wrong. But God says, focus on me. Focus on me because I've become your salvation. 
I am your strength. I will praise you. You see, I don't always feel like it. Or I don't have the energy. But to give God less than he deserves is denying his rightful place and denying him honor in my life. Walking into church, and I know this is probably going to strike a chord with one or two of you, thinking, I'm just not in the right frame of mind to praise God. Praise is never about you. It is never about us. It is I that do it. It is we that do it. It is never about the worship team, the lights, the haze. They're all, that's all just icing on the cake. It's just things we like, our preference or not. Praise and worship is always, always, always about who we are praise and worshiping. Have you ever been on a train of thought and wondered, how did I, how did I end up being this angry and this upset? And then you snap at your wife and has no idea why or what she's done, but... You know, six years ago, you began to think about something, and you ended up being angry at this person. Or you wake up. You wake up, and you're really angry with your husband, because while you were dreaming, he had an affair. And now it's like, you did this! No, I didn't! But our thought life takes us on a train in a direction. And then our thoughts reinforce our feelings. What would happen instead of reinforcing our thoughts and feelings, we did something that was counterintuitive? That we didn't just go follow your heart. You know, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, so don't follow it. It'll lie to you. Not always. What if we, when we begin to get on the train, because we do, even the most holy of people, Grant Myrie, I love the fact that he laughed first. <laughs> See, even the most holy people get on that train. But we have a choice to keep going, to stop, to get off, and maybe get on a track going the other way. What if we, in those moments, or even when we're a long way down the track, we decide, that's it, I've had enough now, I'm going to get off this train, I'm going to go over to the other side and get, a, get on a train of thought the other way. What if we started praying? Not just, oh God, get me out of this thinking, but God, I thank you. Anyone remember the song, count your blessings? It's in the Bible as well, but count your blessings, name them one by one. What if we started doing that? What if we started being biblical? What if we started obeying the Bible where it says, count our blessings? I'm in a rubbish mood, but I'm going to count the good things that God has brought into my life. What if we started praying? What if we started singing and speaking in tongues? What if our mood and feelings began to change as the Bible says they do? I know for some of you, speaking in tongues is not a thing, but the Bible says it builds us up. It edifies us personally. And that's okay. What if we began to do that and began to get on a train going the other way? You see, so often we, we sing the songs or we listen to the songs 
it's reinforce our feelings rather than change them. Strength comes from joy. Joy comes from praise. Praise is a choice. And there are situations that will rob our joy, but also things, there are things that we allow to stay in our life that will do the same. Paul in Galatians 4.15 says this, What has happened to your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. I don't know that I'd be joyful enough to do that for someone. It's not a, th- it's not a thing, is it, really? I'm so happy. Look, here's my eyes. It's slightly weird, but I think he was trying to get across just the strength of joy there. But he's saying, what happened? Where did it go? See, there are things that can steal our joy. So what takes them? Grief. Grief will take our joy. Many people have felt that incredible depth of grief from the loss of a loved one or or, or other situations. And this is what the returning exiles were feeling at that time. It's not just a feeling, it literally saps your strength and energy. But even in those moments, we don't continually grieve. That's why, you know, when you're sitting around in the depths of grief and someone's just died, and I remember this from a few weeks ago, we were sitting around and and talking about Cliff and, and some of his funny moments. And I've only known him a short time, but it's just, we were laughing about that, and then grief would hit. But then humor and joy would hit as well. See, we don't continually grieve. And when our strength and energy are gone, we come back to joy because joy gives us strength. Psalm 30, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Often our problem is that we spend seven months in the tragedy and seven minutes in the triumph. Take time for both. Put yourself in environments of joy. Even in your grief, you can do that. 1 Chronicles 16, 27 says, Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. You know one of the hardest places to come when you're grieving, or when you're just going through it, is church. Now, that may be for many reasons, but... It's a hard place to come. But one of the reasons is spiritual, because the enemy knows if you can come into this place and get your attention turned on God, strength will be built in you. Strength to deal. Now, God doesn't always change our circumstances. Sometimes he does. But sometimes, more often than not, he builds strength in us to deal with our circumstances. And being in community, being in church, not just singing songs, but opening our heart, opening our minds, opening our soul to God, saying, God, this is a sacrifice, but I'm going to do it anyway. Joy is in his house, joy and strength. Not because we're all just happy but because there is joy where God is and we become aware of his presence. 
And we choose to place our focus on him, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. But we need to be aware of the things that rob our joy. Familiarity will rob our joy. See, when church becomes just routine, it should be a routine, it should be a habit. But when it becomes just that, you know the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt? It doesn't always. More often than not, it breeds indifference. And indifference is such a hard thing to get over. And that will rob us of our joy. Bitterness can rob us of our joy. Bitterness from unresolved conflict. Now, I know that everyone here is perfect. And because you're all perfect, there in this room, there is no unresolved conflict. There is no bitterness. There's no arguments that have ever gone on in this place. So because of that, I just want to tell you about the other churches where this happens. Obviously, it happens in other churches. Hebrews 12. 14 to 15, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, set apartness that is, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, with unresolved conflict, when we don't deal with the stuff that needs to be dealt with, It's unresolved conflict, and unresolved conflict leads to bitterness. Bitterness is sin. Did you know that? Not not necessarily the stuff that goes on, but when we don't deal with it, it becomes sin. And it will take away our joy. It will take focus. When we come to worship and you're thinking more about the person that you had the argument with six years ago, and you can't deal with that or won't deal with that, It becomes about then, not about God. And all of this stuff gets in the way of joy, which means our strength is sapped. So what do we do to bring joy to our life? Time's gone, but there are things that we need to do to pursue. Nehemiah 10 says they did some things. They actually did some things, physical things. They ate and drank some stuff. They had fun with their friends, the happiness, but they did more than that. They did the things as community. They celebrated God on his holy day. And then they were generous to those that had nothing. Generosity will build joy and strength in our lives. When we take take attention off ourselves, place them on God, take attention off ourselves and place them on other people who have need, it's amazing what God does. Are we placing ourselves in situations that cause joy? Or do we reinforce what we're already feeling? When we're feeling down, do we choose songs, our playlist? What songs do do we choose? Just songs that are melancholic and down? Or do we choose songs that bring glory to God, that lift our spirit? Do we overcome familiarity by maybe doing things slightly differently? In grief, do we celebrate God and use what he's blessed us with and then bless others with what we have? 
It's difficult to do things that lift our spirits at times. And I'm not saying that laughter and humor will change everything, but it might just arrest the train. I'm going to show a short clip. I love this clip. It always makes me smile. I know time has gone, and we're going to go back into worship in a few minutes. But I want us just to have a, just have a watch of this clip. It lifts your spirit. It won't bring joy, but it might just stop and arrest something going on. Hello. Hello. How you doing there? Hello. Like, hello. Like, hello. My name is Jaden and I'm a young fellow. Like to keep it mellow. I like to make friends and make trends. Attend the young school dances, young romances. Girl, this is your chance. It's a long shot. Cupid tried to hit your boat, but it's the wrong shot. I'm trying to rock them like you know I won't stop. I'm gonna on. keep rapping about this love until the song stops. Hello. Woo. Uh, Very good. Right. Okay, okay. Hold up. <laughs> Last time I was here, I did my Fresh Prince rap. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, last time I was here, I did my Fresh Prince rap. Eight million YouTube hits was on that. I can see your face, you like, what has he left? Well, this time I brought my DJ, Jazzy Jeff. No! Jazzy Jeff, everybody! Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped and upside down. I'd like to take a minute and just sit right there. Tell you how it became the prince of a town called Bel Air.
For those of us that grew up on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he will always bring a smile to our faces. See, he won't stop grief. It won't stop familiarity. But just sometimes bringing a smile to our faces. What are the things that you can go to to maybe arrest the train that allows you then to turn around and go in another direction? We want the joy of the Lord, but often we want it in the matrix style of download. But joy is pursued. It's a fruit that is grown. And today, if you, we feel weak, will we do something, sing something, think something that points us in the direction of joy which builds our strength? Praise takes our eyes off our own circumstances. It takes our eyes off ourselves and places them in the direction of Jesus. It points, it points our minds, thoughts, and hearts towards God. And when we praise, often the, the words that we sing, yes, are some of our praise towards God, but it's sometimes it's his intentions towards us. He's a good father. The repeating of that, he's a good father, because some of us need to hear that very phrase. It reminds of us, it reminds us of his intentions towards us. It reminds us of what Jesus did and does for us. Praise brings joy and joy brings strength. If your strength is failing, then be reminded that the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is not singing some songs. This is engaging with praise and worship of Jesus, allowing the words to sink deep into our thinking and change our thought processes, allowing just the music to wash over us at times and minister to our souls in the same way that David ministered in music to Saul, who was in the depths of depression. And we become aware of the presence of God in this place, embracing his joy, which becomes our strength. And in a few minutes, we're going to continue with our praise. And if you're feeling low for whatever reason, whether grief, bitterness, familiarity, you can choose to pursue joy. What will you choose? What will you choose in this moment? Let's pray. If we could have the whole band come back on as well, that would be great. <laughs> Father God, I pray that we will have been challenged, but not just challenged in our thinking, challenge in our thinking that leads to actions, change in our lives. I pray that as we worship together in a few minutes, Lord, we won't just sing songs, we won't just stand, but we will stand in adoration and love and awe of the God who died. But not just died, but rose again, defeated sin. Revealed himself to us. Pray for those that may be feeling grief, indifference, anger, bitterness. God, I pray that as they become aware of your presence, that joy will return and strength will come. I just love everyone to keep their heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. You know, one of the things that 
that happened when the law was read was the children of Israel realized how far away from God they were. They had a revelation. And maybe, maybe even just how things have been done, maybe some of the things that have been said, you're in this room, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before. But I pray that bigger than the revelation of your sin will be the revelation of who Jesus is. Because you see, Jesus is bigger than sin, bigger than whatever we've done. And his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection defeated sin. Called us back into created order. And that's what God is doing now for you. Calling you back. Calling you into that place of relationship with him. And in a moment, I'm going to ask if you've never made that decision. Or maybe you've made that decision and gone away. But you know today, as it was read earlier, today is the day of salvation. Today is the time for you to come back to the one who saves. I'm going to ask you to do something really simple. It's just put your hand in the air and then we're going to pray together. At the end of that prayer, we'll celebrate and then the team are going to lead us in praise and worship. We will stand. We will worship together. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just to give people a sense of privacy. If you're online, I'd love you to stay engaged with this. And maybe for you, you can hit one of the buttons that says, I'm coming home to Jesus or I'd need prayer. But you're saying yes to Jesus either either for the first time or you're coming home. Or maybe you're a young person. You've grown up in a Christian home, but you're making that faith declaration yourself for the first time. I want you to put your hand in the air right now. Just give me a wave maybe. That's you. Saying yes to Jesus, yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Thank you over here. Fantastic. Who else? Saying yes to Jesus, his love, his embrace, his forgiveness, his community, his life. Thank you. You can take your hands down. We're going to say a prayer together. And at the end of that prayer, I'd love to, love to love us to get to our feet, celebrate, and the team are going to lead us for the next part of the service. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. God, I thank you that you died for me. You gave your life, and I take hold of your life. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy that you placed in me. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church. Why don't we celebrate decisions that are being made?